Welcome, Bad Movie Vaults listeners. Uh, we're living the dream today because we're talking about Dream Catcher, which is a film that we have all seen. I am JP, and my friends here are Scott, Nud, and as usual, we're three movie watching buds. Sometimes we watch the same movies so we can talk about them. And usually the movies that we watch that are the same movies are bad movies. And that's what we're doing today. Yeah. I've picked one. It's called Dreamcatcher. It's based on a Stephen King novel. It was made in the year something or other. And it's got a cast. 2003, John. 2003. It's got a cast of people. Actors playing roles. Which actually um, sometimes our films don't have. That's true. <laughs> so, that's true. This has a really good, like, really strong cast, doesn't really it? Really strong cast. Um, you've got Morgan Fries. Mm-hmm. You've got um, Tom Tom Jay. Yeah. Thomas Jane. Yeah. You've got um, Damien Lewis. Yeah. He's been in stuff. Yeah. He's good. Mm-hmm. You've got Timothy Elephant. Yeah. He's great. He's been in some stuff. Very good. You've got Jason Lee, my third favourite Lee. In fact, I tell you what, so, I think it's like, it's like, because he's like the Baldwin's, isn't it? There's that family of actors, isn't it? The Lees. And I think my favourite is Bruce, then Stan, um, and if you can't get either of those, Jason. Oh, you see, I'd have gone Bruce, Jennifer Jason, and then Jason. Is she one of them as well? No, yeah. You don't even Um, spell it right. You don't even spell it the same. (laughs) But it's pronounced Lee, so it's pronounced the same. Thomas, so Thomas of Sizemore. Yeah. He's in it, he's in it as well, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Um, one of the Wahlbergs. I forget which one. Donny. It's like loads. Where's he in the film? Oh, he's done it. He's done it. I say, I'd never have known it was him. If Donny Wahlberg. didn't recognise him no, at all. I would never have known if I'd seen his name in the credits. I'd just, wow, so, okay. Didn't recognise so what, why this film should be great, right? You've got all those quality people. Sure. Right? In a film based on a Stephen King book, box office, Gold. This is Stephen King we're talking about. It. Yeah. yeah hands on the uh, tables on the card here. Yeah. I don't think Stephen King is um, as good as people make out. I think he's quite hit and miss with his books. And well, I think in the 90s, which is when, when the book was written, he made some weird shit in terms of books. Okay, so here's the thing. The Langoliers. I am massive. Tommy apo- I'm a, hang on. I'm a massive apologist for Stephen King. Okay. I, love, I love Stephen King. Okay. And I, and I find it very hard when I am reading them, to tell a bad Stephen King book from a good Stephen King book. Because the voice that he tells his stories in, that kind of twangy main right, voice, I find that, to read, I find that very kind of almost insidiously soothing. Sure. Like, right. Like, like so, so I kind of buy the bullshit when I read it in his books. Yeah. The, the, so... The thing about Stephen King for me, because I do like, I haven't read all of his stuff by any means, but I do like Stephen King, I like his style, and like you say, his characters are great, and his prose is fantastic, his, his, the sayings and his mannerisms are brilliant. I don't think he knows how to end them half the time. He comes up with a fantastic idea, and then at the end it's like, oh, it's a giant spider. Yeah, I think I think <clears throat> yeah, I think if we're going to talk about the faults, there are faults. Yeah, the fault that he crams too much stuff. He has too many ideas, and, and he and he he wants to put them all in, so he doesn't edit himself very well. Mm. And also the fact that he always wants to reveal what he's got, yeah. so he always wants to show you his cards. And actually, we all know the scarier thing is the thing that you don't see. 
So when, like you say, he always shows you it's aliens or it's a giant spider or it's this ungodly being that can appear as this or whatever it, whatever it is. Yeah. He always shows you what it is. And, and that can be effective in some of his books. It's effective in some of his books. It's a little less effective. But I think you're completely right. Some of his books are shit. Some of them are good. But me, as a reader, mm-hmm. I find it hard to tell which are the shit books and which are the good ones. Right. And it's often not until the film distills all of that down into a couple of hours that I realise that the book I read and loved was shit. <laughs> because the film produced from it, which has faithfully adapted it, yeah. is also is shit. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened for me with Dreamcatcher. So like I was saying, great cast, Lawrence Kasdan directing. William Goldman writing a screenplay. William Goldman, you know, this should have been amazing, but it's a fucking disaster. And most of the reason why it's a disaster is the mess that the original book is. But I remember reading Dreamcatcher and just kind of digging it. There's aliens, there's, you know, there's shit weasels. You know, this is, there's people talking in that Stephen King style drawl. There's a bunch of friends that went through an incident when they were kids. They're, they're, now as adults, that's changed them and they're broken in some way and they've got to come back and do something together that was foreshadowed. You know, all that kind of cool stuff. Yeah. All that cool King stuff. When I read Dreamcatcher, I was like, you know, this rocks. And then I watched this film and I realised that actually this is a mess of ideas plagiarised from all over the place. This is, and also from Stephen King's own work. So it's a little bit stand by me, it's not a bit it. It's the 90s, there's a bit of X-Files, all that government stuff, that's yeah. all thrown in here. You know, Alien. Yeah. You know, to the point where he names this red virus Ripley. You know, there's loads and loads of different thoughts and ideas, memory palaces. You know, some of them interesting, some of them shit. But we're <laughs> sure. going to use them all, we're going to bundle all these fuckers in, uh, in, into this story... And does any of it make sense? No, and it doesn't really matter. And when I'm reading the book, it didn't matter. When I'm watching this film, all those inconsistencies and problems and issues just are massively, glaringly, horribly obvious. Yeah. I mean, so that was my experience. I saw this at cinema. Um, I think I might have. And I, and I read the book, and I've read almost every Stephen King book, and I love Stephen King. And I'm, I'm always excited when a new film adaptation of Stephen King comes along like I was super thrilled that I, when I went to see it um, and I really enjoyed that I thought it was yeah. great, a, a great adaptation of one of my favourite Stephen King books so I went into Dreamcatchers with expectations of this is going to be another great Stephen King roller coaster ride right um, and, all it, and it was so terrible that I kind of went oh hang on this is awful and you know what the book must have been awful too yeah. Um, and that's happened to me a few times because I'm very forgiving of it when I'm reading it. Yeah. I don't see the faults so much because I'm enjoying the bit that I'm reading right now. I'm getting a lot of enjoyment from yeah. it. Mm. Well, you absorb a book a lot differently to how you absorb a film. Yeah, sure. Mm. Yeah. So, what about you, Guy? I mean, it's a shit, it's a shit show. <coughs> um, did, you have, did you see it before now? Well, like or? I said, I, I like Stephen King um, as an author. I haven't read all of this stuff. Never read this book. Never watched the film. So I only saw the film this week in preparation for this podcast. So I've, I've got no memories of it. But um, don't What know. were your impressions of it from watching it this week? I actually thought... 
I'm not going to say I thought it was good, but I thought it was a laugh. I enjoyed it. Definitely a laugh. Yeah, I, 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 I say. I think the film is entertaining. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. I think it's a mess. It, it is, and it is like you say, borrowed from a lot of different. I mean, I did think when I was sitting watching it myself, I thought, well, this is very Stand by Me, and this bit's very it, and this. Yeah, it, it, I, I was, I was getting that from 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 a lot of a lot of different scenes, but I didn't. Yeah, other than that, I just I was just enjoying watching. You were just it. along for the ride. Yeah, I was just trying yeah. the thing with Stephen King. Yeah, I, I think. wasn't trying to write, read anything into it. I was just watching it and having a laugh. Yeah, <clears throat> I think I when you first said you wanted to do this film for this episode, I was like, I, man, I've never seen this film. Never really heard much about it. But then as I was watching it, I started getting memories of seeing it before. I can't remember where or how or how long ago <laughs> I might have seen it at a cinema. It's one of those films I might have gone to cinema, I watched it and forgot the moment I left it. Yeah. Um, but I think one of my friends the other day was, because he likes a lot of Stephen King stuff, but he said that it was based on one of his not-so-good books, that he wrote a bunch of alienish type stuff around the late 90s. So like there's, Tommy Knockers. And, yeah, so there's, there's, there's two books, actually they were separated by quite a few years, but there's two books that... Stephen King has not disowned, but he has said of all of his books, they're his worst books. And he says the reason they're his worst books is because they were heavily written under the influence of drugs. The first one is Tommy Knockers. Right. And he admits that he was coked out of his tits whilst <laughs> watching, while, whilst writing Tommy Knockers. So he says, that book doesn't make a lot of sense. And uh, with uh, Dreamcatcher, uh, so Stephen King was in an accident where a truck driver wasn't had an animal in his car that he was trying to control and wasn't looking where he was going he hit Stephen King uh, and he hit him really badly and he was in hospital for a really long time with like pins in his legs and pins in his body Um, and in fact uh, he couldn't sit in a word processor to write Dreamcatcher so he wrote it all like in cursive Um, so he wrote it all with, with you know in handwriting uh, he was goofed up on oxycodone, so on really powerful painkillers, when he writes, wrote Dreamcatcher, and he admits now that that definitely had an effect on the writing, and that it's not a very very good book, and, and, and alongside Tommy Knockers, this is the kind of least favourite of his books. I think the problem is, you know, like Tommy Knockers, it's about 600-700 pages, and there's far too much going on. And he's got far too many ideas that, he's, that have come from loads of different places and he's bunging it all in. And somewhere in that morass, there is maybe an interesting 300-page novel yeah. that, that just concentrates on some things. You know, I won't get into what the story's about, but the central premise, the idea of, um, of, of a bunch of kids meeting a psychic kid and getting powers from that kid <coughs> that then help them to do something when they're adults, and the fact that that kid is, spoiler alert, an alien, that's enough. That's, yeah. that's enough of a story right there. But it, but anything that might be good in Dreamcatcher, I think, is buried by about six or seven different, different shit that's going on. Like the military stuff. In the book, it's like a big chunk of the book, in the film, you could you could get rid of the whole arc. You could get rid of Morgan Freeman, Tom Sizemore, the military, and all of that, and not really change the flow and the narrative of the film at all. Yeah, you could take them out. 
Because effectively, they wrap their own story up. Yeah. So you don't need them at all. And if you don't need them in the film, which is faithfully adapted from the book, you probably didn't need them in the book. Mm. You probably just didn't realise you didn't need them when you were reading the book. And I think it's that's the problem. He's been he's he's coked up on oxy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and he's just writing like a demon. Yeah. All this chisel because he wants to put it all in. He doesn't want to edit himself at all. And then you end up with this. And then when you try and pull that in a film, it's fucking tonally, it's all over the place. Plots are picked up and then they're dropped again. The film doesn't know if it wants to be funny or serious. It's Lawrence Kasdan, so maybe he wants to make the big chill, you know, again, in, mm. a, in, a, in a cabin. But it's also got aliens erupting out of assholes, mm-hmm. so you've got to put that in. And mm-hmm. do you make that funny or do you make it serious or do you make it some sort of weird half-bred, halfway house? And then you've got King Damien Lewis channeling King Leonard Rossiter or something. <laughs> yeah. Doing, doing, here's a British guy doing the worst British impression you will ever hear anywhere. And it's all just fucking madly jumbled and bumbled in. And should we talk, to, is there any, any more initial comments before we talk through the story? Is there anything else yet? Uh, I think in summary, I thought the film was so, oh God. It was just a mess. It's just, you've said it already, so it was just a mess. And I thought all the alien stuff was just bonkers. Like, it's bonkers, isn't it? It's just bonkers. Yeah. Like, like the first 20 minutes of the film I found intriguing. You know, it's like, this is, this is an interesting setup that we've got here. And then, and then it goes fucking batshit crazy. Yeah. That by the time you get to the final, like, act, you're so far from where you started. It's almost like, it's almost Im- impossible to imagine we've gone from A to B in yeah. a couple of hours. It's like it's been so mad, so many weird directions and thoughts and ideas thrown in, yeah. and so many things that are raised and dropped and actually don't have any relevance really to the story when you stop and think about it for a minute. Yeah, mm. Scotty. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Yeah, um, it's like I said. I also think that, I mean, whether he's drugged up or not, he has a tendency to leave his best work on a book in the first in two the thirds first of it. Bit. Yeah, in the first two thirds. His setups are great, he's got great characters, and he'll build up brilliantly, and then the last hundred pages. Well, but yeah, it was aliens after all. Yeah. <laughs> or it, oh, it was a, yeah, it was a scared demon clown. Yeah. Ah, see, it was, well, it it was a, dead five minutes before he called. Exactly. <laughs> so let's talk through it then. So, um, so we're introduced at the start of the film to a bunch of guys. Um, uh, we meet Thomas Jane, who will end up eventually being kind of the main character, and he's easily the most unlikable of the group that we're introduced to because in the first scene, he's a therapist, and he's um, and there's a fat guy in his office saying how he's eating himself to death. And he's a total shit to him. Yeah. So he's a total shit to him. Then he pulls a gun out and does the pointing his gun to the side of his head like I can't go on in my life anymore. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill myself. So that's our cold start introduction to uh, Tojay, who's gonna <laughs> be, who effectively is gonna be, he's gonna take us through to the end of the film, isn't he? Yeah. But not only that, that fat guy he weren't that fat. 
He was fat. He weren't that fat. He, he wasn't eating. He, he, he was a long way away. But from he was filmed. He was film fat, though, wasn't he? Yeah. You can't have people that. Fat, oh, he was yeah. LA fat. He was LA fat. He was LA massive. LA massive. So you got Toje. You got Timmy Elephant. He's a car salesman. And he, and he, creepy oh, here's the thing, though, because it's a bit odd, because Toje kind of knows what the guy's saying. Yeah, he's reading his it's brain. Like, he's like reading yeah. his brain bomb. <laughs> and Toje, and Timmy Elephant, sorry, who is a car salesman, he can find some of these keys. Yeah. Just by twirling his finger around, yeah. yeah, he can find out where some ladies dropped her keys. Although he does it in kind of a creepy way. Creepy way, like, uh, I get you your keys, you're going to let me fuck you in the ass, aren't you? <laughs> that kind of... So he doesn't, that line yeah, he doesn't yeah. come out and say that line of dialogue exactly, but that's definitely the, the inference, the subtext yeah, yeah. of the scene. <laughs> so now, yeah. we're, now we're two people in. I'm not sure we like either of these guys. You know, so yeah. far, quite, there's a creepy car salesman kind of using their powers. And the Thomas Jane, Toe J, not, not, uh, not a great. I don't like car salesmen. I don't like suicidal people. I'm sure I like these guys so far. Uh, then we meet. Uh, Jonesy. So he's the first guy we meet. He seems okay. He's Damien Lewis. Sure. And he tells the guy, he's a, he's a college professor, he tells his kid not to cheat on his test. Because how does he know? Because he's read his mind. That's yeah, what these guys do. Come back into the brain box. Yeah. Picking this shit up. Uh, but he let, gives him another chance, doesn't he? He says, you can go and do your test again. So maybe he's okay. It's all right. Maybe he's a character we could get to like if he didn't spend most of the rest of the film you know, infected by aliens. Mm. And then the final guy is um, Beaver, yeah. uh, Jason Lee, likeable actor, despicable character, just the most horrible character to ever appear in films. He's like a drunk. Um, and every bit of dialogue that he will spout in the film makes you want to, I think, punch him in the face. He's just, he's just playing his typical character. Type he type, is. He's the douchey he, second banana. He's the, he's the douchey second banana. Um, but, you know, even douched up to the d- douche degree. Yeah. Um, so, those are our four guys, and there's some sort of thing about, they're all, they all, they're all mates, they all, and they, and Jonesy uh, and um, Toe J have a conversation about going to see Duddits at the weekend. We yeah. should all get together and see Duddits. And they're all writing SSDD, that's like a, regular thing that yeah. they do. Yeah. But, you know, it's almost like establishing, there's a backstory here if you'd be bothered. Um, and then what happens is, uh, Josie gets roved by a car Ooh. and, like, a weird kid calls him across the street. Come across the street. And he walks across the street he gets hit by a car. Boom. Yeah. And then we get to six months later and um, all these four guys meet up in the woods, which is like an annual thing that they do. Um, and uh, Damien Lewis got hit by a car, but he's okay. Yeah. So, um, uh, so we then have like a, a sequence which I think is meant to be like Kevin Smith esque, where they all get to where we see them all chatting, talk about their shit, and there's but the dialogue is like really horrible. I think some of this comes from the Stephen King book, but there's a horrible exchange. Between Jason Lee and uh, one of the other guys, I think it's Toje, where they're talking about fuckeries and yeah. fuckaroos. Yeah. Do you remember this? Yeah. No. 
Fucking yeah, it's a real turn in the fuckery. Yeah, yeah I, met, I met this girl and took went back to her place and it turned into a real fuckery. And then the other guy says, as opposed to a fuckeroo. And I'm like, this is just the bants. Yeah. But it's almost like like just made up, made up words. Yeah. Made up words that, that we're meant to think are part of language in the world of Dreamcatcher. <laughs> that people are going to say, fuck me, Freddy. And fuckaroos and fuckeries, because that's what people, that's what they do in this dimension. Um, and it's all horribly cringy, old, b- b- good old boy, kind of Stephen King um, speech. Also, don't you think Jason Lee, he's, the, he's like their pop culture expert, but he knows nothing about pop culture. You know, he's <laughs> kind of like the nerd. Yeah. He doesn't even know Telly Savalas' name, so he's like a shit nerd. Yeah. <laughs> and I think he's like the shit nerd character. But then the other thing that I thought was funny about this is you watch it and you're kind of meant to buy into these guys as like a like a unit. They're the heroes of the film. Yeah. And the film gives you, I think, no idea or impression about who is more important than who is who is more important? So yeah. they're all equally important. They're not because some of them are going to get bumped off, yeah. like, like a minutes away from getting bumped off, and some of them, are the stars of the film that are going to carry us right through the movie. And one of them is the hero. Yeah, but there's no real. Yeah, the, f- the film doesn't flag po- sort of signal who's the main character. Mm. And I, and in fact, the main character. Is going to be Thomas Jane, who I think is the most, the blandest, yeah. and most hard to like. Or there's not really a characteristic about him to kind of glom onto. Um, and he's going to end up being a kind of star, which I thought was yeah, like, awesome. not very well done. No. Um, anyway, oh, and they also, and here's the thing as well. This, uh, this film is like 95% exposition. In every single line of dialogue, is talking to the audience. Like, there's a great example of this when they sat around the table and they start talking about memory warehouses. And and Jason Lee Beaver says, "Memory warehouse? What's a memory warehouse?" And they all go, "You remember about the memory warehouses from back <laughs> in the day?" And it's like I really don't remember what they are. Memory warehouses. Well, uh, let me tell you. I have a memory warehouse, this is Damien Lewis's character, I've got a memory warehouse where I keep all my memories in my head and I visualise it like an actual warehouse <laughs> with actual files yeah. with memories in them and I can move them from one place to another to remember them better mm. or forget about them. And this is literally exposition, this is yeah. literally a conversation at the audience. Yeah, isn't it, doesn't it, isn't it he's, he's saying, oh, I had to make room for some more memories or something, so I had to clear them out and put them in my... Where in, in my furnace or something? Then he, then he actually show you in his own head removing files. You see, and you see it happen. Yeah. it's almost like that comic strip, The Numbskulls, or <laughs> or Mick yeah. Dave or something. There's literally a tiny version of him in his head moving files around a giant library of files. Yeah, <laughs> that's. And you know what? I don't mind that. I think that's actually not a bad visualisation of things. Right. It's kind of a bit bullshitty. And if it, but if it's, it was in a film other than a crazy alien invasion film with hundred different things happening, it might be quite fun. Well, when, so when, when was the book written? 90, late 90s. Late 90s. So 98, 99. Yeah. So have you got any idea when Hannibal was written? Was it before that, wasn't it? 
Because I sort of get the feeling that he just lifted that straight from Hannibal. Because the, the whole section of Hannibal is all about Hannibal Lecter's mind palace. Yeah, I think yeah. I think a lot of this is completely plagiarised from loads and loads of different sources. Yeah, I think he might have read, read, read well, yeah, might well have read Hannibal. I think Hannibal was 96 or 7, mm. something like that. Yeah. yeah. I just get this feeling. They also talk about Duditz a lot. Yeah. So this was a lad that they knew growing up. And we get a flashback and we we find out that they saved this mentally handicapped kid from um, some bullies who were literally forcing him to eat shit. Yeah. Literally with... I thought you were saying, yeah. they're literally a scene from the Losers Club. It was literally, was a, all stand by me, yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah. And I hated these bullies. Just as actors, I don't think they were very good at all. No, they were really bad. They were really bad. They were really bad. The main one seemed like a very posh bully. Yeah, uh, Eat some shit, you oink. Yeah. <laughs> I've got some in my hand. Yeah, I don't think they were very good at all. It, these these guys. Be up, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we know a little bit about the, they met him. Um, and he's like their fifth friend, I guess, but he's not with them. Um, oh, and this is odd in the film. You don't really know if he's dead or not. Yeah. Until he turns up. But... It sort of implies they say, he's dead. Yeah, yeah. I think the film doesn't. At the beginning, even when they say that we'll go and see him, it's almost like they're going to go see his grave, grave or something. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really odd as well. It's like if they, if he's such a great mate of theirs, how come they don't? You know, how come he's not? They don't hang out, or it's yeah. weird anyway. Or he's not one of the five. Um, anyway, so they split up, and uh, so because they live in the woods, the middle of Maine, it's snowing. Uh, and uh, so, let me see if I've got this right. So, Tojay, an elephant, they take the car to go and get supplies, mm-hmm. leaving um, Damien Lewis and Jason Lee Beaver to hang out at the cabin. Yeah. So, they go out in the woods, and Thomas Jane goes out. Is he hunting or something? He's got a rifle, hasn't he? He goes out in the woods. Who's his one? Rifle. Uh, sorry, um, Damien Lewis. And he meets this guy in the woods, doesn't he? This guy, Rick. Yeah. And this and bit was weird, because he's up in a tower and he's smiling when he sees a guy who looks like he's nearly died. Really weird oh, scene. It's a really weird bit. And I was like, why does he like look happy to have found a guy who's near death? So he finds this old timer in the woods and he's got like red, or, like, red on him. Yeah. He's got some sort of weird rash on his face. And he takes him back to the cabin. His name is Rick. Um, and then, <coughs> as they walk through the door, Rick says, what's that? And he says, that's a dream catcher, Jones. He says, let me tell you about them. So almost like the film has to, at points in it, explain why it's called dream catcher. Yeah, like, well, it doesn't really it mean anything. doesn't mean anything. No. At one point in the film, when the kids, they make a drink, like they go arts and crafts and make a dream catcher. Like it has any relevance. Well, there was a bit about two-thirds like away it's meaningful. Yeah. There was a bit two-thirds away through the film where I saw one, it was covered in that red stuff, which we'll get to. Um, and I was like, when are these things going to start doing something? <laughs> never. 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 Yeah. never. So never the, film, the title of the film means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Yeah. And it's almost like they have to keep referencing it to explain why it's called Is that. Is it that trope where you have to have the title of the film in the yeah. dialogue? Yeah. In the in the film, yeah, exactly. So you can cut it into the trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, Rick says he's eaten some weird berries in the woods. And he doesn't feel very well, weird. Um, and he keeps um, he keeps burping and farting. Yeah. Um, 
So when um, when Jason Lee comes back uh, from wherever the fuck he's been in the woods, they can have some funny dialogue about how this guy who clearly is in really bad shape uh, is doing really smelly trumps. Yeah. And the odd, and this is an odd thing in the film as well, is that these guys react with humour to almost everything horrific that happens. So this guy needs help. You know, he needs to go to a doctor's or something, and they're just laughing. I mean, they're put into bed, don't they? And they just make a load of jokes. It was a weird bit because he's clearly very, very unwell. He's very, very unwell. But but the film seems to make. Well, I mean, if you're going to have somebody very ill and you want it to be, I don't know, like some drama there, you don't have the character fart a lot and make it comedy. (laughs) Which is exactly what it does make it funny. Totally, it was. Yeah, because every time one of the characters farted, it was just funny because. Yes, to be honest, someone farted is funny. It's yeah. funny. But, <laughs> in film, but in a film where that's not the tone of the film, mm. I'm not sure what they're aiming for. And there's also that, that bit in there when, um, is it, um, I've already forgotten the character's name, Damien Lewis. Jonesy! Jonesy, Jonesy! Um, he, um, he sits the guy down on the chair, doesn't he? And he's, uh, it's just he burps in his face or something. You notice his chest is really swollen. And then a few minutes later when he starts fighting, it's his stomach that's really swollen. His chest has gone down, hasn't it? His yeah, and he even down. says this. Yeah. He even says his chest was really swollen a minute ago. But, but, but yeah. in a funny way, like, what's he going to do next? He's probably yeah. going to yeah. shit. He's going to prolapse or shit his ass out of himself. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a really odd reaction to it. And they do it again. I mean, when Thomas, Jane and... Um, so, I mean, it happens in a minute, I just sort of talk about it, but um, when Thomas Jane and, um, uh, and Timothy Elephant see the woman in the woods, and uh, their car crashes, they're laughing when they come out of their car, their car crash. Well, I didn't mind that, that could just be like a nervous reaction. Yeah, right? maybe, but they're making jokes about the woman oh, when, yeah, she's de- when they think she's dead in the woods, they're cracking jokes about it. Yeah, that so, it just feels like a really weird reaction to the stuff yeah. that's going on around them. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they, uh, they put this guy to bed, and then they see another weird scene, and this could have been a really good scene in another film. Mm. Uh, they see loads of animals running through the woods, yeah, yeah? Mm. running past the cabin, uh, and they're all got, they've all got bread on them as well, yeah. and they say something like... Um, oh, look, they've all got bread on them. Yeah, like, oh no, I've never seen a scared bear before. Mm. That's, that's his reaction. Yeah. Ooh. And I oh, said, look at that. And I Cujo, say, the talking dog. Have you not seen enough films and read enough news reports to know that if animals are all running in one direction, you should probably be joining it's them? It's the w- end, world-ending shit. Yeah, you see. Animals <laughs> not eating each other and all going in one direction yeah. is world-ending shit. Yes. Yeah. And you need to sort it out. You need to get your bags. Don't just go, oh, the bears look scared. Yeah. Well, back to my day. Um, yeah. <laughs> what could scare a bear? Yeah. Uh, and we're also... so. Incidentally, we'll come back to this when we talk about what's going on in the film because the fact that the animals have the red thing on them and nobody in, is controlling the spread of that kind of makes everything that happens in the rest of the film a bit of a nonsense. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say, because I'm not entirely sure what that red stuff's supposed to be for a start. It's the infection of what? that then causes the growth of the worm things. So it's the first stage of this alien's life cycle, right, which yeah. we will learn about in the film, makes no sense. Right, so if you've got the red on that. shit on you, 
that means that so the cherries that he thought he ate in the woods was actually the red dust because right. the dog in the film later eats red dust and grows a worm out of it we're really getting ahead of ourselves right. but that's the first stage and when we get when we introduce Morgan Freeman we'll talk about actually what's going on in the film and why it makes no fucking sense at all so a helicopter flies overhead and says that and somebody shouts out with a bullhorn that they're quarantining the area uh, guys are wearing white hazmat suits and also um, uh Morgan Freeman is in a helicopter. And they do that funny thing where the guys in the helicopter look up and shout. And Morgan Freeman in close-up looks down like they're having a conversation. Like that's a thing that actually happens. Every time, every film that has a helicopter and it has this scene where people are looking out and like they're actually in a two-shot. Like they're having having a conversation with each other. They're really not. Um, So they said the area's quarantined and the helicopter flies off and they kind of were meant to be I think we're meant to be intrigued and maybe a little chilled by this the animals are running there's hazmat guys there's a helicopter the army's involved this is this could be really cool um, but it's just followed this, this bad fart comedy scene yeah. so the tone is really all over the fucking yeah. place here I don't really know what we're supposed to I think the main problem with the film is that think because then we're going to have to shift tone again because when they go back inside to the cabin, there's blood everywhere, and the guys move from the bedroom to the toilet, right? So, um, so they go in the they, they go in the toilet to see if he's all right, and he's sitting on the toilet, and then he falls over, and he's got, and his whole asshole is blown out. And I mean, yeah, it's like yeah. now suddenly we're here again, yeah. and it's not, and it's not in a Cronenbergy way. It's in a yuck yuck. Look, yeah. look at this, his ass is blown out kind <laughs> yeah. of away. And there's a monster in the toilet. <laughs> yeah, of course. So, of course there is. There's Why a not? monster in the toilet. We don't see it, but there's a monster in the toilet. So he shut out a monster. Yeah. yeah. So now Jason Lee has to go and sit on the toilet, right, <laughs> while Damien Lewis goes and gets some tape. duct tape, yeah. except he calls it friction tape, which I just loved. I think I'll get some friction tape. Right. <laughs> And then you stay here, Beef, and don't get off that toilet. Yeah, don't try and get any toothpicks. No matter what now, here's the thing. Oh, God, here's the thing. So, all the way through the film, for reasons, Jason Lee's character's been chewing on toothpicks annoyingly. Yeah. And here, he's got toothpicks, but he's dropped them all over the floor. Yeah. And they've all gone in there. In pools the, of shitty in blood. blood, except yeah. for maybe a couple. And he can't quite reach that couple without getting off yeah, the toilet. Yeah, like, that would be the last thing on your mind. I've really got a churn toothpick right now. There's a giant turtle monster in the toilet. And whatever it is, it's big and it's strong because it's lifting him up. It's lifting it? the toilet, you know. Yeah, it's so, making it. It's making so it. what the hell are you trying to do to get a toothpick? How badly do you need that toothpick? It's, it's stupid. So, I think, no it, so yeah. I think this makes more sense in the book. Because in the book, he's a, like a recovering drug addict, <coughs> and the toothpicks are his crutch. So he needs to chew toothpicks because if he if he doesn't chew toothpicks, he's going to start using again. Right. So right. has he got any drugs on him there? Then? Hmm? Has he got any drugs on him there? No. No. Right, it's just don't a foible. He worry about it. He has hmm? to, it's just like a foible. He has to have a toothpick. Don't think yes. he needs to worry about yeah. it so but, much. But I'm here's saying. the thing. But here's the thing in the book. King can write inside this guy's head and go. I mean, I mean, I'm in this situation. I've got it. I've got to chew that toothpick. I've just got to because it's a it's a compulsion. Mm. You know, he's got to do it. 
but obviously none of that's in the film, mm. and and it's just like what what there's no what? this is, there's no tension here because you as the audience are thinking just leave the toothpicks, <laughs> you don't need them, just stay tight on the toilet and don't let the thing out of the toilet and you'll be fine. Mm. You don't need these. You've just been chewing them, but that's like your character thing, like fucking Kojak's up and all over. One of the reasons why you accept it in the King book, it's stupid, but you accept it more, I think, because yeah, of there's some explanation the way it's written. And in the oh. film, it's just fucking madness. Because he gets off the fucking toilet to grab the toothpick. And of course, the monster comes out of the toilet. And what is it? Giant worm thing with teeth and I say giant it's like as big as it's about three foot about three foot yeah you know about as thick as like a mug yeah you know <laughs> sure yeah thick as a mug thick as a mug about as thick as a really big turd it's about as thick as a really big turd that might have plastered out of someone's ass <laughs> um and what does it do it fucks you up it fucks Jason Lee up <laughs> yeah that's for a fact toothpick or not Takes his fingers off, doesn't it, for a start? Takes his fingers off, yeah. yeah. Um, and by the time... Um, Which he reacts to weirdly. Weirdly? He yeah. sort of looks and realises his fingers has gone, and instead of like just freaking out and screaming, just carries on fighting the monster. <laughs> so, yeah. it kills Jason Lee. Yeah. Fucking eats him. Uh, and then Damon Lewis turns... No, Damon uh, turns up, and then the thing between them. And then he oh, kills right. him in front of him, doesn't he? That's right, that's right. And then he turns around to run out, and he runs into like a giant nine foot alien grey. Yeah, why not? And the at this point, I'm like, no. Worm thing <laughs> kind of slivers around the alien grey to the top of his head and opens its big teeth, mouth, trench yeah. thing. And then it suddenly all puffs into red dust. Yeah. Puff like that. And then Damien Lewis inhales the red dust. None of this made any sense to me. What the fuck just happened, movie? What is going on? I've just accepted that we're in a situation where there's an infection, and the infection causes... Worms. Teeth, worm creature things to erupt from people's arseholes. Right. Okay, I'll accept that, and then we're going to deal with that, right? But what? what's the next bit of the life cycle? But now, yeah. here comes an alien grey. Yeah. Right. So now we know we're dealing with aliens, we can get into this whole fucking mess of shit. Because we get introduced to the military, they're on the scene, and they've got a group called Blue Boy, or Project Blue Boy, or something yeah. like that. Thankfully, Tom Sizemore has just been recruited to Project Blue Boy as their new leader, and he don't know everything that's going on, which is fantastic, because the boss, Colonel Curtis, Morgan Freeman, can spend the next 15 minutes exposition dumping on yes. the poor sod, and, of course, on us, the audience. Yeah. So, cha-ching! So, basically what happens is, Morgan Freeman, sporting the most ridiculous eyebrows that have ever been committed to film, um, spends about 15 minutes telling us about his 25-year war with um, the aliens. And that they have recently crash-landed in the area and are spreading their infection. So, what, what's, what's, what is the shiz with, the, with these aliens? Well, I can't make head or tail out of it. I can't explain these aliens in this film at all. Let's try and break it down. There's a red dust, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, which if you inhale or, um, or eat, yeah. Yeah, starts the alien process. 
But also, the aliens seem to be able to turn into red dust. Well, this is why I don't, I don't understand. Really? Because they can puff, really? and then suddenly they're just a cloud of red dust so that gets the... inhaled by Damien Lewis. Yeah, I mean, in the alien so, films, it's a very clear life cycle. So here we go. Here we go. So the alien dust then infects a person, and eventually that person will shit out a worm. creature, that worm. They call them, Morgan Freeman calls them shit weasels in the film. <laughs> Um, so a shit weasel, right, will grow and then lay a bunch of eggs, right, <coughs> from which little shit weasels will come. Right. And we see a big shit weasels, so we know that they just get bigger. Right. But, but if the shit weasels lay eggs, and the eggs have little shit weasels in, why do you need a gestation period in another host? Mm. Because they're reproducing themselves through eggs. Yeah. So you don't really need an infected host because they have the ability to reproduce eggs. themselves with eggs. Mm. So that's the first problem I've got with the aliens. The second problem is that they, these aliens crashed their ship, right? But these aliens are literally just worms with teeth. Mm. So what I don't understand is we've evolved, right? And we've evolved to the point where we have hands and thumbs that allow us to do more things than animals do. Yeah. These things just have teeth. They're just worms with teeth. What was that bit where... How do they fly? Wasn't there a bit where... How have they, how have they created technology? There's no... <coughs> they just all seem... First of all, they all seem kind of... Apart from Mr. Graves, we'll get into. The rest of them all seem kind of mindless and just acting on instinct. Like attacking things. Yeah. The first chance they get, they break out and they attack things. But they're also a sophisticated enough race to have developed interstellar travel and disguise themselves as greys. Does it make... Is it me or does this make fuck all sense? Well, because they seem to just be creatures with teeth that attack. Because there's a bit where they attack a ship. And when they're on the ground, they've got arms and they wave and... And then they sort of turn into, like, things with kind of legs, but they kind of scutter around. Yeah. Attach themselves to the so, ship. So they don't and really I... look like greys. They've infected... So there's a bit where Morgan Freeman is getting telepathic messages. Right. Saying, don't kill us. We're really nice. We just want to be your friends. And then when he sees them, they all look like greys. Yeah. And then when they start shooting them, they turn into the worm teeth things. So I take it that the greys are what they telepathically look like to humans. It's not what they actually look like. They're actually these big wormy, teethy things. Oh, I I, yeah, I mean, all that bit with the ship and all this stuff with the aliens, none of it makes sense to me at all. None of it makes... I can't imagine how these creatures have evolved to be killing machines. Yeah? yeah. So just teeth, worms with teeth. But have also somehow evolved to, to the point ships. where they can... They're pilot ships, they have technology, and and they're fighting a war with us that's been going on for 25 years, but the only thing they want to seem to do is, is infect us all, but they can do that really easily. The film shows you they infect animals, so you can quarantine people, but nobody's going after the animals. Mm. So we saw them running through the woods. We know later on in the film a dog gets infected and the dog shits out a weasel, so yeah. we know they can infect people easily. The whole film ends up being... Can this one alien put a worm in a water supply to infect loads of people? But the aliens could have done that any time. Yeah. 
in the past 25 years that Morgan Freeman's been fighting it. Perhaps these these shit-weaselly worm things um, have been specially bred to only infect man and man's best friend. But the other animals were infected. They went past with the red muck on. So the film, sorry... Scotty, but the film contradicts your theory. No, because you don't see any of them give birth to shit with But they will do. I they don't got, know that, though. But, they, but, you, but we do. They've got red on them. Because anyone that gets red yeah. on them is just, going to give yeah. birth to a yeah. shit weasel, is what the film suggests. Yeah. And what Morgan Freeman says repeatedly is that you can't let any of these people go. Because mm. even the ones that don't show signs of infection are probably infected and are probably going to shit out a weasel. Yeah. So... We absolutely know the ones that are are going to shit out a weasel. A hundred percent. Have you or have you not the last 48 hours shat out a weasel? Yeah. What are you talking about? But, but to me, it's like somebody has seen, like King, has seen Alien and thought that was cool. I'd do my own version of that without think, without or <coughs> seen an episode of X Files and said I'll rip that off, mm-hmm. but without any thought to what what would actually mechanically work. Mm-hmm. How does the because the, the Mr. Grey, so why is Mr. Grey completely different to the other aliens? He seems to be intelligent. He's got arms he, and stuff. He can carry on a conversation. He's, no, he's still a giant shit weasel, but somehow he's able to piggyback Jonesy, yeah, and, and infect him, but also appear, like, suddenly from yeah. his body. I know, so... Like, suddenly he's just there and he, he, and he just appears and he'll eat people and he'll go back into Jonesy. But it's not like he... He just appears. Yeah. How, how is he... How is he infecting his... How is he able to do that? It's just physically impossible. And not why is he intelligent when all the other ship weasels seem to be just instinct-driven creatures like, like the Grabbles in Tremors? None of it, <laughs> none of it makes yeah. any sense. And Morgan Freeman's been fighting for 25 years secretly. Well, how come this hasn't happened before? How come the aliens haven't just won? Because all they need to do is put one worm in the water supply in this film. Mm. And then it starts getting even more insane because you think, like the film is going to posit that Duddits has given psychic powers to these kids. So as adults, they can stop this alien invasion. <clears throat> but this doesn't stop all aliens everywhere. What if there's another ship? Yeah. Who's going to stop the next one? Do you see what yeah, I mean? I know, I know what you're saying. Why yeah. did Duditz give alien powers to the four, uh, superpowers to the four kids? When actually, because he can see the future, he talks about Mr. Gay, it's Mr. Grey. Mm-hmm. If he can see the future, he knows two of the kids aren't going to amount to anything. Because mm-hmm. Jason Lee's dead already, and Timothy Elephant, spoiler alert, is about to get eaten. So, yeah. he doesn't need to. All he, all he needs to do is give powers to Tojay, because Tojay's going <laughs> to yeah. have something to do with the end. And he also needs to give um, uh, a Jonesy the ability to hide in his own head from Mr. Grey, which he does by having him run over at the beginning, because the fact that his heart stopped and he's dead means that Mr. Grey can't hijack him and take him over completely in the way that he would somebody who hadn't died, apparently. Right. That doesn't make perfect sense. I don't know what the problem is. Sorry, guys, but I really tried to make head or tail out of this, and it's just fucking baffling. And then, and the thing is, there's so much exposition in in the film. For that much exposition, to then still have a story that makes no sense, is fucked up. 
It's because he's expo- all the exposition goes towards all the detail, like details, but there's no bigger <coughs> of explanation. Because the next scene is the craziest bit of exposition so far, in that uh, Toje and Timothy Elephant have found this woman in the woods and crashed the car. So Toje goes to get help, and he leaves Timothy Elephant with the woman. Um, and <clears throat> Timothy Elephant decides to get drunk on his own with this nearly dead woman. And then chooses to explain to her his whole past backstory with Duditz. The fact that he thinks Duditz is an alien, and that Duditz gave him a bunch of powers, he thinks, to help them prevent some horrible thing happening in the future. He literally says that. It's like a recap. Yeah. He's literally bringing the audience up to speed. Okay, in case you're not following it, because there's a lot going on, here's what, here's what, here's what's happening. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes, I've got to go and have a piss. Yeah. And then obviously, another shit weasel comes out of that woman's ass and bites <laughs> his dick off or tries to. And this is the thing again. It's fucking all over the place. Now it's yeah. funny again. Now it's, we've got dick biting shit weasels. And I'm starting to lose the will to live. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of fun. But it's also, like, you just want to punch the screen, like, get your shit in order and yeah. make a proper film. Because you're wasting film. so much fucking talent. You know, the film looks beautiful, the DP's great. Uh, you know, they've had William Goldman writing it, all these great actors in it. Fucking sort it out. Because this is embarrassing. <coughs> you're all embarrassing yourselves right now. <laughs> you Fuck you, movie! Um, what happens next? Oh, um, Elephant burns the shit weasel, so the shit weasel doesn't kill him. Uh, and Toje gets a psychic blast that Jonesy isn't Jonesy, which means he's able to avoid him mm. when Jonesy comes past on a skidoo heading God knows where. Mm. I think he wants to go to Massachusetts, he keeps saying. Mm. So then um, Jonesy meets up with Tim Elephant. And learns that Tim Elephant has the power with the finger to find things. Uh-huh. And then he takes Timmy Elephant to try and find Massachusetts, because that's where he wants to go. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Morgan Freeman is telling us that hitchhikers are aliens. This is our worst fear, is that there'll be an alien hitchhiker. What is that then? Well, it's a thing that's never happened before, and I have no reason to think that it will, because there's no evidence of it. But what if an alien could infect somebody without the infection being noticeable, then they could do anything, couldn't they? And I'm like, that's your fear. Not the fact that all these animals are infected yet done anything about them. <coughs> Not the fact that any one of these aliens could go to any water supply anywhere on the planet and infect a whole shit ton of people. You're worried about this thing that you don't know could happen. Yeah. <laughs> but it might happen. <laughs> Doesn't it? It's... What? It, what? Is it? Oh, and also, I should point out now, Damien Lewis is on, is on, for some reason, Mr. Grey, the alien that's infected him, talks with a British accent. This blew my and mind. now Damien Lewis is in full-on uh, actor mode, talk, having conversations with himself, partly in the British accent. And when he talks in the British accent, his mouth moves. And when he's talking as, he's, as the normal Jonesy, his mouth doesn't move because the voice is just internal. So he's having a one-sided, kind of two-sided conversation. But he's with, trying to do like Gollum as well. Like Gollum. Because it's like the camera angle keeps changing between one and the other. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, oh, 
I mean, why he had a British accent? I was trying to, I was trying to wrap my head around it. Going, I was trying to actually understand why he was talking a British accent. <coughs> Realised there's no reason. Well, because it's in his head, and in his head, every villain speaks the British accent. Are we lost? Yeah. yeah. Well, I've I, I lost quite early on in the film after the okay. bit where the guy dies on the toilet and they have a fight with the. As soon as the grey alien turned up behind Damien, that was it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm lost. Well, I'm, I've got to keep going. <laughs> Toj goes back to the cabin, discovers that Beeves dead. Yeah. And uh, shotgun blasts the shit weasel that they left there and its eggs, mm-hmm. and then sees a mental flash of Josie being possessed by the grey. So that's a bit of catch up for him. He's now caught up. Sure. He now knows what's happening in the in the story. Mm-hmm. And then we have flashback time because things couldn't get any more confusing. And we introduce a character quite late in the day called Josie, but not Jonesy. And this is a girl who's gone missing, and they think, because Dunitz has magic powers, he can find her, and he does, she's trapped in a drain. Right. Mm-hmm. Is any of this... Oh, this is when they learn they've got powers, and, they and then he gives find. them powers. Right. Yeah. So he gives them powers, and they find the girl in the drain, and they're, they're all psychic, and they can talk to each other, and Pete has the funny elephant... Has a funny and they've finger. got a car that's possessed by finger devil. finger finger. Yeah. Um, and they say Mighty Mouse is on the way and fuck me Freddy and loads of other things that normal yeah. people don't say to make them sound endearing and also to connect them through time to their adult selves and sure. also use the same shitty dialogue that they use. Um, then we have the bit we've already talked about where Morgan Freeman kills all the aliens that are, that are trying to convince him they've been at war with him for 25 years and they're implanting suggestions in his head that they're nice like we're nice we're not going to kill you I mean we're <laughs> going to erupt out of some assholes, but other than that we're good what what's, who does that what what, <laughs> what in what combative situation do these aliens think they're going to convince these guys in choppers with their weapons they can read their minds presumably yeah how they can get in them and put plant suggestions in them what, what? How are they thinking this is a good technique? Please don't kill us. We're really <laughs> nice, really. And Morgan Freeman's like, no, you're not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow you up. Of course he is. What what's going does. on, movie? But then some of them jump back in the ship and the ship turns into red dust. Um. Yeah, the ship self-destructs for reasons. I think they, they self-destruct it to try and take the helicopters out with them. But Sizemore and Freeman's choppers get out of the range. Just to the too good. Just in time, and then, but everybody, nobody else's do. Um, so then, Timmy Elephant says to Jones, "I'm not going to help you anymore." And he says, "Bite my ball sack or yeah, something." Oh yeah, because that's another thing they keep saying. Yeah. And Jonesy turns around and says. In fact, bite your ball sack. In fact, I rather think I will. And the rest of you. <laughs> and he bites him in half. And it's just a terrible exchange. Mm. And then Joan, and then the Jones inside, Jonesy, yeah. is watching everything. That, is watching the movie, basically. Yeah, from through a, a window in his little cabin in his mem- memory yeah, palace. And he's like, cabin. no, Timmy Elephant. No, he was no. my favourite. He was my favourite. He actually was my favourite. <laughs> Yeah. So I could have quite happily watched it, the whole film being about Jason it. Lee, your favourite. Oh, fucking hell, he was horrific. <laughs> what a horrific character. 
Um, anyway, I love that, that this alien is going to yeah. go, I think I will bite your ball sack. Yeah. <laughs> and the rest of you as well. Well, to ask with a British accent. Um, so, that basically, like I've written here, anyway, we're now left with Toe-Jay as the only character to give a shit about. Right. <laughs> it's a bit of <laughs> And maybe Jonesy, trapped in his own brain, kind of. Uh, Jonesy finds a truck driver and he says, excuse me, governor. He calls him okay. governor. Where is he getting this shit from? <laughs> he goes, excuse me, governor. Um, can I get a lift? And then he, and then he morphs into this. Again, I don't know how he does it at will. He morphs into this alien thing and eats him. He's got a dog with him. And, and for some reason, the driver is transporting animal carcasses that have the red dust on them for reasons. Uh, and he gets the dog to eat the red dust. Yeah. This will become pointlessly relevant later. Toje is captured by the army. You see, the whole army thing, it doesn't even introduce to like an hour into the film. Yeah. It takes up most of the next hour. And I think you could drop it all. Because I don't think any of it helps the narrative of the film at all. But Toje is captured by the army. And he reads... Sizemore and Freeman's minds as they walk past. Um, and then Free, but, but Morgan Freeman somehow senses he's being mind read. And he acts a bit weird and Tom Sizemore says, are you all right? And he says, yeah, I'm just getting too old for this shit. Mm-hmm. It's even nicking lines from other films! Yeah. I noticed that. <laughs> well, really? You can say that? Are you going to, that's what I thought. Are you going to say that? Are you really going to do that? Are yeah. you going to keep that in? Yeah. Is that okay? Okay, motherfucker. <laughs> um, so um, after, so here's this is okay. Here's the thing. So Morgan Freeman is clearly a nut job because earlier in the film he shot some guys' hand off oh, yeah. for letting somebody through the quarantine. Is he? So he's clearly a nut job. He's clearly gone insane from fighting aliens, and he also thinks that they should kill all humans that have had. He may be in contact with aliens and may be infected. And Sizemore's not down with that. And because Toje's read both their minds instantly as they walk past, he knows all this. So next time, and it's kind of okay, even though everybody who is infected has been kept in this, like, hut area, Thomas Jane, it seems, could just walk about in the snow and wait until somebody comes past him <coughs> so he can yeah. talk to them. So he talks, to, he does this to Sizemore and he says, I know everything about you. Blah, blah, blah. Your, your boss has gone mad. You need to stop him from killing everyone. You've got to help me save my friends. And you need to call General Matheson, who's this guy you've been thinking about calling because you know your boss has gone mad. Is that about right? Yeah. And Sizemore says, yeah, I'll, I'll buy all that. Yeah. I'm in. Oh, okay. I'll do all that. I'll mm-hmm. do what you just said. Um, Cheers, stranger. I don't think you're an alien. I mean, you could be because... Literally, I've just had the conversation with the boss where he said there's these hitchhikers. But you know what? I, li- I like the cut of your jib. Yeah. You just instantly... Teams up with him. Teams up with him. <coughs> like they've yeah. been... Like he's the fifth pal. They've been looking for this whole yeah. time. And he then tricks Freeman into going to meet Tojay, but he actually sends him off somewhere. So they can escape. So Toje and Sizemore have now escaped and they're going, and, and again, Sizemore's been convinced that the best plan, right, yeah. is to go and get their leukemia-ridden <laughs> mental patient friend yeah. from Derry, Maine, because they're going to need him 
to defeat the alien menace. Yeah, why not? I mean, as good a plan as any. Yeah. Um, am, I, am I getting any of this wrong? No. no. So, Did you believe what you're watching? Well, at this point, I, I guessed... Oh, Dunditz is definitely an alien. Right. There's no doubt about it. It's too much crazy shit going on here where this guy is just someone who has learned But, but the thing is, it's not a twist. Because Timmy Oliphant told you yes, exactly. he was an alien yeah. half an hour ago. I'm not ago. saying it's a yeah. twist, but my point was that bit when it happened was his mum saying goodbye to him. And I'm like, why has he got a mum? Yeah, and so his mum and dad. And I didn't understand I guess that. It might all. be in the book, but that's not good yeah. enough. So I think the film. Was, she was like a caregiver because he's mental. So I kind of thought that was that. I was kind of okay with that. I thought it was his um, mum. I thought it was his mum. Mm. Yeah, he calls her uh, his mum, but, but he's not. She's not a, his biological mum. Right. She's the person who looks after it. That's, so is that's he, what I Is he really a uh, turd burglar? So he's an alien. <laughs> he is, no, he's an alien. He's from a different race of aliens because he looks different. Right, because okay. he's slightly orange. Right. Although, why does he have leukemia? Because <laughs> he's an alien. I know they're called shit weasels. Yeah, why is he, yeah, what's up? I know they're called shit weasels, but I've called it a turd burglar before yeah. I realised that. So that's what I'm, yeah. Why is he... Why is he dying? an alien? How is he an alien? Why is he an why alien? Did he Human get, form. Why did he get there? Why has he been on Earth? And if he's really an alien on Earth, why is he masquerading as a, as a mentally handicapped child, like adult yeah. now? Why is he a mentally handicapped person? With why leukemia. Would you, with leukemia. Well, that's not a good choice. No. If you're an alien, you can masquerade as something. I wouldn't pick Tom Cruise. Yeah. I, wouldn't pick, I probably wouldn't pick that either. Although it's likely yeah, that, Tom it, Cruise, that, that some alien no. did. The, the Rock. That's what you're um, So, this is brilliant as well. Because in all the flashbacks, um, uh, the uh, Dunnitz was talking about Mr. Gay. Because he's got a speech impediment. Yeah. Mr. Gay. Mm. And now Mr. we find Gay. out Mr. Gay is Mr. Grey. So, oh. Timothy Elephant got it right all along. Dunnitz can see the future and he's given them powers to help them defeat Mr. Gay. He wasn't being homophobic, he was talking about Mr. Grey. What does Mr. Gay want? Well, I tell you. <laughs> I tell you what he wants. Okay. Not what you're thinking. He wants water. So he could put a he put a worm in the reservoir, right? So let's obviously go and do that. <laughs> Shit, we should have worked this out two hours ago. But there's a twist. I forgot to mention. Ugh. Morgan Freeman's got John Wayne's gun and he's given John Wayne's gun to Tom Sizemore. Tom Sizemore's got it, except he's got a tracking device in it, so Morgan Freeman can track Tom Sizemore. Crafty son of a bitch. Ugh. Is it actually John Wayne's actual gun? That's what he says. He says so, John Wayne yeah. had his gun, and now I'm giving it to you. It could be. It could not be. Who gives a shit? I don't think it matters. Mm. But it's in there, so maybe yeah. it does. He doesn't need to do that, because it's just said there's tracking device in the Jeeps that we have, and you're driving around in one of our Jeeps. Mm. So... <laughs> So, Jonesy, right, takes the dog who's having, who's got a yeah. shit weasel yeah. to some, I think it's meant to be a reservoir or something. It's, it's like no a one around. It's just like a, place. like a war pump thing. Yeah. And he dumps the body of the dog next to like a manhole cover, yeah. which leads down to the reservoir. And then there is, I think, the world's worst, one of the worst cross-cutting for tension the scenes that I've ever seen in the movie. Because while um, Jonesy is going to laboriously get his manhole cover off, yeah, so the shit can crawl down it, <clears throat> we're going to cut back to 
Morgan Freeman turn up in his helicopter and an entire running super mega battle between Morgan Freeman and Tom Sizemore that must take so much longer than it would take uh, Jonesy to get the fucking manhole cover off and let the shit weasel drop down it. But because we've got to create some sort of tension, we're meant to believe this is all happening simultaneously in some sort of cross cut <laughs> It's a fucking nightmare. And then also, Tom Sizemore shoots Morgan Freeman's chopper down, so he's dead. But then when they go over to Tom Sizemore, he's dead. Yeah. He's been shot down. That does not happen in the film. There's no scene in which he's shot by Morgan Freeman in the helicopter. That yeah. just doesn't happen. Did they shoot <laughs> it and leave it out? I'm fucking no. I don't have a clue what's going on anymore. So that leaves ToJ and Dunitz and Jonesy, who's an alien. Right. Yeah, you're good. Right. So... Yeah. The worm comes out of the dog's ass. Yeah. It's about to go down the manhole cover, but in the nick of time, Tojay turns up, shoots it with Tom Sizemore's gun. Awesome. Then Jonesy pretends to be normal. I'm normal! I know not that voice. Uh, I'm normal. (laughs) Well, (laughs) tell me some things what you remember. And then... Can't remember anything. Oh, we'll try. All the while, though, this shit weasel, which literally has just been birthed, carked out of someone, (laughs) a little egg rolls out of it. Again, how does the life cycle think? It's It's only just been born. And it's producing eggs already. Yeah. What? And they don't need... Then they're they're very prolific at reproducing. They don't need us. Anyway, the egg hatches straight away. And a little worm starts crawling towards the manhole cover. This is all going on while everything else is going on. So, oh, it's like it's a fucking there's a bomb under the desk. When is anyone going to realise there's a bomb under the desk? There's a little worm. <laughs> Keep an eye on that. So, um, Jonesy, of course, is a lying bullshitter. He's still an alien. Uh, Dunitz turns up and says, Ah, see you, Mr. Gay. <laughs> or something and then somehow the alien comes out of Jonesy leaving yeah. him on the floor and again I'm not sure how this works I don't know what the physics of this I don't know if it, if it can turn into dust why can't they just infect people in a big cloud I don't understand uh, anyway that Dulles then turns into an alien like a different type of alien they have a shitty CGI fight they have like a CGI bum wrestle it's so embarrassing yeah for everybody involved to watch, you can't tell if they're fighting or mating. It's just really awkward and horrible. Um, and then, um, and Dunnitz has some weird kind of lashy tail thing. Um, and then uh, they both look ridiculous. And Dunnitz kills the other alien, yeah. and then he dies. And then, um, and then they turn into dust. They both explode into <coughs> dust. Some, for sure. reasons and then uh, Tojay looks at Jonesy and says Jonesy but is he really or is he still going to no he's not going to because he treads on the worm oh. yeah uh. Uh, and he smiles like oh, yeah I'm back yeah. slam cut end credits yeah, this, yeah and I was like whoa what really abrupt ending <laughs> yeah. like we're done <laughs> we're done there's no coda here yeah we are it. fucking outsy we're done we've tidied we, that up Done and dusted. Every loose end. Put a bow on it. Put a fucking bow on it. <laughs> we are out. Yeah. Um, what so the ever-loving fuck 
Did we just watch? Yeah, what was that about? You literally come out of it like shell-shocked. I've listened to you explain it. I, oh, I think I had that. a better grasp on it before you started talking. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, this film makes no sense. Really? I think None I, of it? The whole alien thing, I don't know what that. why do they want to infect us? What? Uh, <laughs> what? what? Why? Batshit. Why crazy. any of it? I don't, yeah. I've got no idea about any plot. I don't know anything. I, don't, I can't tell you a thing about the plot. I can tell you I felt really sorry for that dog. That, you know, the one that got infected. Because it, it, he's not a very good driver, is he, Mr. Grey? And it's like three or four... Three or four times that dog flew off the seat and hit the dashboard. I was like, oh, the poor thing. Like, it's not bad enough. It's got a shit weasel in it. It's now getting flown across the cabin every five seconds. So I think the thing is another film that he's happily plagiarised here. Because mm. the, that, the dog, dog's exploding and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Right. And the snow. He got that from the thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's set in the snow. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, it's just a fucking batshit... Uh, road crash of loads of different ideas uh, that are half realised and half thought through all kind of jostling uh, for, for, what, for what what am I? Am I an X-Files episode? Am I a am I stand by me? Am I um, am I an uh, you know you could make an interesting um, alien invasion story that was just about possession you know, is it about possession? Is it about mind palaces? That that stuff could be interesting. Is it like it, where they've all got you know abilities and everyone's different abilities going to play a part in how they defeat the menace? Well, no, because after them dying, they've all kind of got the same ability. Yeah, I'm going to say it would have been something if they'd all got a different thing and they had to team up at the end or something to piece it together. But that doesn't happen. Um, so you know, everything you want it to be, it utterly fails more, to be. It's more like they've just got to get. That it's to Mr. Grey. Oh, I missed out a couple of bits as well. There's a couple yeah. of mind palacey bits in the course of the film. Yeah. Like, there's a bit where he has to sneak out whilst the Mr. Grey is busy. He sneaks out of his office, doesn't he? And he gets all the files on Duddit so he can yeah. lock mm-hmm. them all up in his office so that Alien can't find out about him. And, you know, that potentially <laughs> could be interesting. <coughs> and then also when they meet up the two aliens, there's no recognition of like. Mm. You know, oh, you're my, you're you're the, you're my nemesis. Yeah. There's none of that. And there's the, the way that once they've got Duddits out and they're trying to find Mister Grace, the way they talk to him like he's lassie. I love that. So, did, did you notice that? He's like, well, what's that Duddits? What's that Duddits? Mister Grace trying to put shit weasels in the water supply, and it's then <laughs> go get traps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go get yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh man, I know exactly what you mean. It's yeah, terrible. So the original ending of the film. Uh, did not reveal Duddits to be an alien. So the original right. ending that they shot has Duddits comes in and he uses Pete's finger power thing uh-huh. to to destroy. He does this the finger thing and and that destroys the alien and then he just collapses and dies of his leukemia. Right. And then they go to his uh, then they have a funeral for him, uh-huh. uh, Toe and Jonesy. So which I think would be even more infuriating than the ending that there actually is because. Uh-huh. Everything in the film tells you that um, that it is an alien. I think the film makes even less sense with the with the original ending. Mm. So I think they've improved it by maybe 0.5 of a percent by changing the ending. 
but it's still a fucking shit show. And I mean, can you imagine these actors? You know, here's a script by William Goldman, director's Lawrence Kasdan, based on Stephen King, and nobody here except maybe Morgan Freeman was at the height of their careers. Mm. This must have looked like a sure fucking thing for them. You know, uh, I mean, I'm the I'm the I'm the guy from Band of Brothers, and now I'm in this big fucking Stephen King mega Warner studio production, William Goldman script. It's going to be fucking dynamite. You know, I've just, you know, Timothy Oliphant's got to be thick. Done what? Had he done Deadwood by then? Maybe. Maybe. He definitely done Go. But, you know, he's like, this could be, this breaks him as a serious film actor, maybe, or, you know, fucking horrible. Mm. Just a horrible, shitty shit show. It's a horrible, giant... Shitty fart with blood in it. <laughs> it's a shitty <laughs> fart with. So you know what the original All over uh, what floor. This book was originally called. The shit original weasels. title: Attack of the Shit so Weasels. The original title was Cancer, and it was Cancer, and it was all about King dealing with his illness from um, from getting hit by the car. And he says that he wrote the whole book for the scene where. Um, Jason Lee's on the toilet and the, sh- and the shit weasel's in the toilet. Right. Because he said, you know, the, the next taboo is going to be what's in the bathroom and people having a shit with blood in and realising they've got cancer and things. And, that, you know, and that's, that's stuff that really scares people, so that's what I'm going to write about. But there's no sense of that. No, but he's not the one... Jason Lee's not the character who shat blood. No. Mm. But no, my And the point, character who did... I know what you're saying, but... My point more is that what he's trying to do here is Cronenberg. Because yeah. Cronenberg does body horror really well. That yeah. fear of... Invasive. In, yeah, of things going wrong. You know, uh, like the fly of... You know, of the wholeness of the body being changed or perverted. or mm. and, and he utterly, I think, fails to deliver on that. But he also fails, I think, to deliver a kind of fun... Because, you know, there are fun movies with shit aliens. You know, like uh, Slither. You know, the James Gunn yeah. film. You know, Nathan Fillion is a dude. You can do this very well mm. if that's the direction you choose to go in. What you can't do is this kind of, you know, jokey... It's not always joke. He's also po-faced a lot of the time. And po-faced, you, yes, what I'm saying. You can't do. You've got to be one or one or the other. You've got yeah. to. You've got to accept the ridiculousness of the situation and play it up. And you can still play it up and have the characters treat it, be po-faced in the treatment of it. You can still make that funny, if the point is to make it funny. But um, I don't know what this is. I've not got a clue what it is. I did enjoy it. When I watched it, there's a lot of stuff in it that I laughed at or thought was amusing. Yeah. Damien Lewis's bonkers accent, you know, the fact was that, that at the beginning when he first got it, um, he first got taken over. He's sitting there on that skidoo. And he looks around like a Terminator. And then suddenly he just pulls a big cheesy grin. He just grin. pulls a big cheesy grin. Yeah. yeah. I, looked, I thought that was hilarious. I was like, what the that? fuck is going on? <laughs> also, too many wipes. Oh, you know, it's all the yeah, Star Wars wipes, yeah. Oh, Star Wars wipes, Lawrence, leave it alone now. No, you can't. You can't go back. You got to keep no. going forward, man. Yeah, don't that do shit it. Works in Star Wars because Star Wars was a homage to matinees. This isn't a matinee film, so why is what's going no, on? No, we don't. We don't need the wipes. 
So, uh, what's your uh, final thoughts on Dreamcatcher? It's, it's one of those films that I would that makes me sort of have a weird, lucid uh, feeling of when I'm ill and I've got a bad flu or something. I'll sit and I watch a film. When you try and watch a normal film and you're ill, and none of it kind of is clicking. Yeah, it all feels a bit vivid and weird. And if you're falling asleep, you fall asleep. Yeah. You keep dozing. You keep and you're dozing, like, and you like, bits. oh. Where are we now? Oh, Indy's just blown that bits. plane up. Yeah, right, now he's, no, no. right now Indy's got the gold idol. Oh, an uh, and, you oh, and it feels like that, yeah. but you're awake. Yeah. And none of it kind of, one scene to the next and one plot device to another, I just don't, it feels really weird. When you, well, I feel weird when I watch it. I'm just like, it's just, none of this is gelling for me. And I feel like I'm, I'm always missing something. Mm. Like, I, am I, if I, has it been a bit I've, Missed. Yeah, that's it. And for a and for a film to give you that sense when ninety percent of it is exposition, yeah, when ninety percent of it is narrative dump, where they are just telling you stuff. They are literally telling you. They are literally recapping the film. Morgan Freeman's job and partly Timothy Elephant's job in the film is to recap where where you got up to so far. Yeah, so you've not lost your place, and you still get the sense of I'm not really following this. Yeah. I don't really know what's going on. I think it's because it's such a nonsense yeah. that the attempt to explain it just highlight how much more of a nonsense it is. Because every question you answer, there's five or six more questions where you go, why, why wouldn't this happen? Or If you think about it, otherwise you're just like, well, this is just shit. You know, this is just yeah. meaningless crap. I looked at the reviews, you know, the majority of people, it's 19% on Rock Tomatoes. Okay. The majority of people think this is a shit show. Mm. You have the occasional person thinking it's a masterpiece, but for the most part... I don't understand that. How? I've got one here. Go on. Stephen Hill, eight. He's eight years old. Not as far as I'm aware. What's eight then? That's his handle. Oh, Oh, Stephen... That's his... Yeah. Oh, Stephen what is Hill, it again? Stephen Hill 8. So is there seven other Stephen Hills before him? I guess so. He was lucky. Awesome. He, got, he got in quick. So got I imagine that's a fairly quick, common name. Yeah. I would thought. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm a sci-fi fan. but If he kills the other seven, yeah. can he become Stephen Hill 1? Because um, I mean, eventually they'd shut their accounts down. If Stephen they? King killed Stephen Hill, would Stephen King become King of the Hill? Well, I don't know, because Joe Hill is Stephen King's son. <laughs> Maybe that's he wrote it. Maybe he'd become Joe King. (sighs) Anyway. Anyway. I'm a sci-fi fan and pretty discriminating. Often, years will go by where I don't like even a single sci-fi film that comes out. This one scared and welled me. Doesn't just rely on special effects, but has a good plot and at least decent acting. I don't see why this film was rated so poorly unless other viewers didn't know ahead of time it had a strong sci-fi bent. I didn't. Great storyline. Good eerie, marketing there, then. Yeah, eerie, memorable scenes and a complex background story that evolves slowly but consistently throughout the movie through flashbacks from the main characters. Great way to condense the novel, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't even know what he's talking about. Um, <clears throat> a lot of the reviews I read were people saying that it was a typical Stephen King film adaption, which is that they're usually hit and miss. And that was the sort of general comments from a few reviews, which I think is fair. I think there's as many duff mm. Stephen King film adaptions as there are good ones. Um, nice start, but then things go terribly wrong. 
This movie starts very interesting and then around the arrival of Morgan Freeman becomes almost total crap. I thought, as well, right, this is how confused I got at one point when watching it, I got to about one third of the way into it and I started wondering where Jimmy Schmitz was because mm-hmm. I thought he was in it and I thought that at the end he gets a nosebleed and crashes a, play, uh, crashes a spaceship. And it wasn't until I was about a quarter, third of the way into the film I realised I was thinking of the TV adaptation of Tommy Knockers. <laughs> <laughs> Which I saw when I was quite young, when I was a teenager. So I was like, I'm sure Jimmy Schmitz was in it. And he gets a nosebleed and he crashes a spaceship. Where does so this happen? The fact that your expectation uh, didn't come to fruition, yeah. did, um, did that make you like the film less? I was disappointed. disappointed. I was disappointed because I kind of just wanted to maybe reminisce on that memory that I had. Quite a vivid memory of... All I remember was Jimmy Schmitz controlling with his psychic powers an alien spaceship. And he was doing it so hard that he got a nosebleed (laughs) before he crashed it into something. And that's all I remember. (laughs) There's actually a ton of five-star reviews for it, though. There's a lot of people who, unironically... Think this is a really good um, film, but most of them say, most of them say that it is a really good adaptation of Stephen King's book. And I think this comes back to my initial thing, which was you can be very forgiving of Stephen King's faults because you know how to write a good book. Right. And for me, watching this film brought to light what a shit show Dreamcatcher is as a narrative. Mm. But for other people, um, this could just be because it's a faithful adaptation. Yeah, they're still they're so married to the kind of King book that that they don't see its shortfallings, even when it's condensed into the shit show that is really yeah. captured the film. I think that's interesting. Most people who give it five stars says a really good, really faithful adaptation of the Stephen King. Yeah. <clears throat> Even Stephen King hates it. For the film. Oh, well, the book. Behind the book, yeah. Um, mm. Difficult to say because when you watch the documentary that's on the DVD, it's the usual, everyone's lovely to work with and isn't, aren't we all great and clever? Yeah. So he's not going to say, as the film came out, fucking I wrote this on Oxy and I was fucked. <laughs> and I don't, you know, I was, I was literally doing. off my tits. I was literally off my tits and I can't remember my name. <laughs> that's, that's, that's only ever going to come out ten years later on a Rolling Stone, isn't it? Um, when somebody outright asks him any any books you've written that you uh, that you think are a shit show. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, there's some there's some funny stuff in it, um, but it is it's a, it's a it's an interesting case study in how things go very wrong in movies. Yeah. I mean, so I also yeah. think this is a good example of if you stick too closely to ad- adapting a book into a, a into a film, because often you do need to adapt it, yeah, <laughs> not just translate it. I think you could get rid of all of the military stuff because ultimately it cancels itself out. Tom yeah. Sizemore and Morgan Freeman kill each other, yeah, which means that none of their narrative is needed in the film. It doesn't help you get from A to Z, does it? No. You don't need it. You could take, I think you could take all of that out and not change this film much at all. Mm-hmm. You could, if you, in fact, you could 
solve a lot of the problems. So if you didn't know the military had been fighting aliens, if you didn't know a ship had crashed, if you only knew what the aliens' agenda was based on what Mr. Gay told you, and if the threat was literally just him, mm. then everything Duditz does makes sense. Because they've only got to deal with this one guy and they're, and they're sorted. Yeah. The fact that this tries to make it bigger mm. than that, I think creates then loads of questions about, well, why haven't the aliens already done this? Or, you know, why, what, are they, what have they been doing for the last 25 years? Yeah. What do they want? Why are they doing this? You know, all that kind of... How did they evolve? What, why are they just big words with teeth? Uh, psychic big worms with teeth. What, what the fuck? What the fucking <laughs> doodah is going on? It's a fuckery. It's a. It's not. It's a fuckery. Obviously. <laughs> fuck me, Freddie. That was Dreamcatcher. What are we going to talk about next? We don't know yet. We don't know yet, do we? We're going to leave it. We're going to maybe keep it as a surprise. Why don't you yeah. find out when we find out? Yeah. Yeah. We'll be back soon enough for another. All right. Episode. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. All right. Bye. Cheers. <laughs>